Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Welcome in, fans. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio, of course. We're here each and every week getting you caught up on Red Sox news, baseball news. We've got playoffs going on, so we're going to talk about that today. And don't forget, every Red Sox Beat, including this one, is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com backslash Celtics and entering that promo code, which is, of course, Celtics, uh, and get that $50 off. It's a great mattress. We love it. And, of course, so thanks to Casper to uh, sponsor the show. Joined by Jess Thomas this week. No, Lauren, shuffling, shuffling host now, off-season plants. Uh, so, Jess, you and me again today. Uh, what's going on, sir, first of all? Uh, not too much. Just looking forward to talking baseball, my favorite thing to do, and, and playoffs. What's better than that? We've got a lot of good baseball to talk about already, just in the, just between the wild card games and the um, this, yeah, these divisional series that are going on as we speak, including the Cubs, game so that is going, the Cubs game that is going on as we speak. Um, it's been a lot of fun so far. Some of these series are turning around. Um, we're, so we're going to go through each and other one of those series, talk about what's going on. We're going to hit on the Utley, Utley situation as well. Uh, um, tie all of this into Red Sox news. We're going to talk a little Red Sox as well, offseason stuff obviously, because we are, of course, the Red Sox Beat Podcast. Don't forget, folks, find us on Twitter uh, at Red Sox underscore Beat. We changed it, so go follow the new Twitter handle if you haven't visited us recently. We moved. We relocated. Uh, nice, new, clean Twitter feed. Uh, Facebook, Tumblr, all the good stuff were there. Twitter, like I said, um, what's the one I'm thinking of? iTunes. I need you guys to do me a favor. I ask you every week. Go on iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe, share us there. Put all nice comments even if it's just Lauren's cute or Jess is awesome, I don't care if you comment me. Just just tell us that we're awesome and make it look nice on Twitter so we can show up a bunch of places and we can get some great reviews because you know, we I know Jess knows this, thinks this. We need to get our name out even more. We're growing fast, and we need to uh, expand the Red Sox beat name. So, but we're going to move on now. And before we do, before we talk about the playoff, before we get into anything else, we do this each and every week, Jess, and I want to get it. Let's do some uh, reach questions. Yeah, we got a couple of great ones this week and very... Very uh, applicable to what's going on right now. I asked some some playoff questions because that's playoffs. Playoffs. That's the time we're at right now. So, all right. My first one I asked before anything started. I asked, "Who do you think will win the World Series?" So this was clean slate before anything happened, even the wild card games. And I got a lot of different responses. I love it. Got nine responses and great stuff. So out of the nine, three said Chicago Cubs will win the World Series. That was uh, Adam, Nick, Adam Ballou, Nick Gelso, and Mike Porter. They thought that the Cubs will win the World Series. Uh, we got two for the Toronto Blue Jays. That was Lauren Campbell and Anonymous. We got two for the St. Louis Cardinals. That was me and AJ Kershaw. And we had two for other which was Rich Grove and you. That was all the responses. Um, what, what were the other? What, what did they say? What, I know what I said. You said Mets. Go Mets. And Rich Grove said Houston. Oh. 
and he even picked a World Series matchup. He said Houston to beat Cards in five. Oh, fancy. And Adam commented and said, I love Joe Madden. I wish he was in Boston. <laughs> and he obviously picked you know, he should have been. He should have been in Boston. <laughs> he could have been, yeah. But they hired Tito instead. Yeah. He's in Chicago. So that was a great response for everybody. I love that. I love when there's it's always split up. And I, The reason I picked the Cardinals was because I didn't want to mess with 100 wins and playoff experience. <laughs> it's always... I didn't say who I want to win the World Series in that. I said who I think will win the World Series. That was the key to the wording. So I think that the yep. Cardinals will. I think they have the best shot just because of their pitching, which is incredible, and their playoff experience. Yeah, I like the Mets. Um, I l- obviously, the addition of Cespedes has been phenomenal for them since the uh, break, and I think that's the big reason why their offense is flourishing. Obviously, they got David Bright back at some point or later in the year as well, which is basically like adding another player onto that roster already because he wasn't there for most of the year. So that was a nice addition for them to getting him back. Plus their pitching staff's phenomenal. Um, so I, I think that they're going to be a charge. I wouldn't be surprised if they upheld beat the Dodgers. And I wouldn't be shocked by a Cardinals-Mets uh, LCS at all. No doubt. Uh, and also the no responses for that. Nobody picked Kansas City Royals to win the World Series despite losing it in it by one run last year in game seven and no one picked the pirates and good thing because they're not in it anymore <laughs> those poor pirates man <laughs> i know we'll get to that oh, definitely. Uh, my other question a couple days later was what would be your favorite world series matchup so not who do you think will in the world series or who do you think will be in the world series but what would your favorite matchup be which is a good one got nine responses again fantastic and overwhelmingly one response. I had five out of the nine responses say Blue Jays Cubs, which is still possible. Crazy. Fun to watch. It is possible. Those responses were uh, AJ Kershaw, you, Lauren, Nick Gelso, and Anonymous. And I had four others. My other choices were Royals, Cardinals, Astros, Dodgers, and Rangers, Mets. Nobody picked any of those matchups as their favorites. I just picked and choose random teams to to be in. And I got four others as responses. One of those was me. And my favorite would be Astros Cubs. Um, Adam also said Astros Cubs. Rich also said Astros Cubs. He said, "Good to see two normally struggling teams had the chance to be champions." And Mike Porter said Rangers Cubs. So overwhelmingly, every single person wants the Cubs. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> Everybody wouldn't that be such a and I want Joe Madden to win a World Series on top of all that. So he was so close yeah. before. Yeah. Give me the Cubs. I like the Mets to win, but I would I'd rather see the Cubs in. Well, that's why you said who you think rather than who you want. <laughs> you want mm-hmm. the Cubs. So mm-hmm. oh yeah, you and eight other people. Isn't that crazy that all responses every single person wanted the Cubs? Yeah, I wonder how if we. I wonder thinking about this now how the response would have been if we asked this question like in '04 if we were doing all this in '04. And we asked, who would you want in? How many people would actually have the Red Sox? Huh. Yeah, I wonder you know? too. Yeah, I don't know. And obviously it would have been a lot because we're in the Boston market. But like nationally, if you asked that question. Like if you were in Chicago and asked that question, how many people would have said Red Sox? Yeah, I would say more, at least more then than now because we hadn't won in so long. And people like the teams that Yeah, same story. Same, same storyline, pretty much. Exactly. Obviously Chicago's longer. I'm curious. I mean, obviously we can't find out, but like, it's something to think about. Probably the same, close to the same thing though, because I think everyone's rooting for the Cubs to get off the schneid. Right. Whenever teams haven't won for decades and decades and decades and decades and decades, people start eventually feeling bad for them and wanting them to win and get off that. Except for Cleveland. The whole city of Cleveland can just <laughs> go away. They don't deserve a championship. Yeah, they haven't had one in quite a while. Nope. It's been a while. 1964, so. Oof. Yeah. Who won that? What year was that? The Browns? Uh, yeah, it was the Browns. That's what I thought. How funny is that? And they suck. Not any other teams, but the Browns. <laughs> I know, right? So that is that. There you go. Those are your Reach questions. We give you them every week. Sports fans want to engage with their favorite CLNS personalities. Download the Reach app today for both the iPhone and Android. Are you a fan of the Celtics, Red Sox, Bruins, or Patriots? Make your voice heard. Join your favorite show, and our host will ask the questions. Maybe your answer will get heard on air. Download the ReachDap today at ReachDap.com backslash CLNS. And like you, we, we do, we do it every week. So you're going to hear your answer on air if you uh, respond to any of the questions that we ask. So go on and check it out. And Jess gets on that every week. And once we get deeper into the offseason talk, we'll get a lot more Red Sox Reach questions on there too as well, like we usually do. Yeah, for now um, it's playoffs, but, but in the future. Kind of a dead, kind of a dead uh, 
dead point for the Red Sox because offseason hasn't officially started yet. Because you're not supposed so, to care uh, about the offseason until the playoffs are over. You're supposed to focus on the playoffs. <laughs> right? Exactly. Which we're going to do today. So today's, a playoff, today's a playoff-driven show. Like, it's going to be for the next few weeks. Um, so let's do that. Let's jump right in to the uh, playoffs talk here. We have... Before we get we'll into the wild card. Jets, yeah. Well, yeah, let's start with the wild card. That's what I want to do. Um, we had two good games. Um, let's start with the Cubs-Pirates game. Okay. Yep, so that was National League wild card, Cubs-Pirates. Terrible matchup for a wild card game because they were 98-97 win teams. And I'm sorry, but neither of those teams should blue you lose into one game. So I hated that person. I thought it was completely unfair. But as we talked about, the the Cubs wouldn't even been in the playoffs if they didn't have a second wild card. So yep. you kind of got to take and give because it's, you know, it's, it's what it is, unfortunately. Yeah, this argument happens comes up a lot. Like, do we hate it? Do we love it? What do you think? And I'm like, well, if you're a Cubs fan, you have to love it because your team would have been out with 97 wins, like you said, Jess. So, Which is so that's unfair. crazy. That's crazy to think on its own. But, um, yeah, no, it just you feel bad for these Pittsburgh Pirates fans. They yeah. last two, two out of the last three years, they've lost in the wild card game. Like, come on. Yeah, no, it's it's tough, and uh, the reason they did lose that game, they lost four to nothing. If anyone doesn't know, uh, Jake Arrieta pitched for the Cubs, who will oh. most likely, probably, no question about it, be Cy Young. I don't see how he wouldn't get the NL Cy Young, uh, and he pitched for the Cubs. And unfortunately for the Pirates, that was the worst possible thing that could have happened to them. And yep. Arrieta pitched a complete game, four hit shutout, eleven strikeouts, no walks absolutely dominant he was so good and for the pirates garrett cole was not so good even though he had a really good year but he gave up four runs in five innings including a kyle schwarber home run and a dexter fowler home run that was three of the four runs right there schwarber also had an rbi single so he accounted for three rbi so basically that game was the jake arietta kyle schwarber show and that's all it was needed so yeah there you go there's a little mini jess recap <laughs> we're gonna get a lot of mini jeff jess recaps here yeah um. Yeah, you, you go into that game. You kind of, I was favoring the Cubs, obviously, and you, only because of Jake Arrieta. Like you can't choose. You can't pick against this guy right now, and he's on fire. Uh, as we speak, this game's going on, Game Three in the uh, NLDS series with the Cardinals, and he's pitching well again, up one nothing. So this guy's a force, and he's dominant, and he deserves every award possible from this year, and he should cap it off of the World Series. But that game. No one could touch him, Jess, and it was fun to watch. And any baseball purist couldn't be happier with the way that game happened. Yeah, he's really incredible, and it's it's if you if you just start watching the playoffs and don't like follow the regular season, you're going to be like, oh, this guy's really good. But I mean, it's no joke. If you look at the guy's numbers, it is incredible. He here. I'm just going to give you a few, a little sample size here. Uh, at the end of the regular season, these are just going back from his last start backwards. We got. Six innings, two hits, no runs, seven Ks, win. Seven innings, one hit, no runs, no walks, nine Ks, win. Nine yep. innings pitched, three hits, no runs, one walk, 11 Ks, win. That's, this is the last four starts. Going at least yeah. at least six innings, giving up just a handful of hits, one or two, three, four hits, uh, almost 10 strikeouts every game, literally no walks, no runs. The guy's incredible. Mm, yeah, he, he's phenomenal. He's a great pitcher. He's on pace for... Phenomenal postseason just to go along with the phenomenal regular season he had. And so there you go. The Cubs move on. Obviously not playing the Cardinals. We'll get to that series in just a bit. The other wild card game, Jess, was in, right here in AO. Our only, always favorite team, the New York Yankees, were taking on the Houston Astros. And obviously, if you all don't live under a rock, you know the Yankees lost. Um, they lost 3 nothing, And I think it, it pays tribute to the pitching. Uh, Keiko was phenomenal for Houston. Yeah, both the wild card games, you, you put a... Best pitcher, well, Keiko's probably need it. AL MVP, so you pretty much just put the two. I meant Cy Young. You put the two Cy Youngs against each, uh, p- pitching against the wild card teams, and neither of them gives up a run. Keiko pitched um, six innings, three hits, no runs, one walk, seven Ks. The Yankees couldn't touch him, and because their offense really isn't that good in the first place, and because Keiko's an incredible pitcher, and Keiko probably could have went longer too because he only threw eighty-seven pitches. Yeah, I mean, they didn't need him to go any longer. They had a handle on the game. They were they were up two nothing at that point on a Colby Rasmus and Carlos Gomez stole the home run each. Uh, Altuve got an RBI single in the seventh. That's all they needed. I mean, they only got five hits, but when the other team only gets three hits and doesn't even come close to scoring, that's all you need. So, yep, both wild card games 
great pitching, no offense. See you later. Yeah, it was um, nice to see the Yankees lose. A-Rod was his typical postseason self, did not have a good game. And the Yankees were out, and that was that, thank the Lord. So Yankees one game but were one game more than the Red Sox. Makes you feel a little better, Red Sox fans, about the situation. Um, the Red Sox probably so would have go. been better in the playoffs anyway, so... They probably would have won that game, and they would have moved forward. Um, <laughs> but there you go. Th- those are two wildcard games. So now you have these matchups going on. Blue Jays, Rangers, Cardinals, Cubs, Royals, Astros, and, of course, Dodgers, Mets. Let's start with the Dodgers-Mets series, Jess, because there's news out of that um, series that I want to talk about, too. So we'll okay. kind of start there. Yeah, I'll catch uh, up on the series first. Go ahead. And then we'll dig into the... To the depths of it. <laughs> Catch us up. Catch us up. Well, it'll be easy. There's only been two games thus far as of show air time. Um, both good pitching matchups and low-scoring games. Uh, the first game was the best pitching matchup. It was Clayton Kershaw for the Dodgers against Jacob deGrom of the Mets. Everyone was looking to see how Kershaw did because, as we know, he's been, as we talked about a lot in the last show, he's been terrible in the playoffs. Completely not even close to the same guy. Don't even know who he is. Uh, so everyone, all eyes were on him in this game. And although he didn't pitch bad, he was certainly outpitched by DeGrom. Uh, Kershaw gave up a home run in the fourth to Daniel Murphy, a blast to right, to put the Mets up one nothing. And then David Wright got a two-RBI single in the seventh, put the Mets up 3 to nothing, And the Dodgers would just get one measly run in the bottom of the eighth, Adrian Gonzalez RBI single, and the Mets won 3-1. to one. They only got five hits, the Dodgers did get seven, but... The Mets got the important thing, which is runs. And final lines for the starting pitchers. Kershaw pitched six and two-thirds, four hits, three runs, four walks, 11 strikeouts. DeGrom, seven innings, five hits, no runs, one walk, 13 strikeouts. So DeGrom won this matchup. Kershaw wasn't as bad as he has been in the past, but still, four walks, three runs. When you're facing a good pitching team, that's usually not going to get it done. No, and it, like you said, it wasn't as bad as it's been. It's been a lot worse. Um, but he he's going to get another start, but uh, I still wish he was his dominant self, you know? He should have had the ground numbers in that game. He should have had five hits, no runs, 13 Ks. Exactly, yeah, and he, didn't, and he didn't have that. He, we're expecting to see him come in, lights out all the time, and he he is all off post, all regular season. He's like that, and he comes in here and just, Crops himself in the postseason. This wasn't as bad as it's been, but still, I don't trust him yet. Still in the postseason. A loss is a loss. I mean, they lost, and he, you know, he didn't get run support, and you know, he didn't didn't give him a, ch- a good enough chance to win. And that's the thing coming into the game, being him, you know, you're facing Jacob Degrom. You know, he's a really good pitcher. He he got uh, 14 wins in the regular season, a 2.54 ERA, 205 strikeouts. Guy's a really dominant pitcher, so you know that you're gonna have to be really good because you know it's gonna be a low-scoring game. And giving up four walks and, and three runs, that's that's not it. Yep. So So that was game one. Yep. So uh, Mets took a one nothing lead and keep in mind that game was in LA, so big big game for the Mets to win, to take the lead. Uh but the Dodgers came back in game two on Saturday and they decided they didn't want to go down two nothing at home because usually that's a recipe for disaster most of the time. So the Dodgers won this game five to two. Pitching matchup, another great one. Zach Grinke against Noah Syndergaard. And they both pitched very well. Um, the first runs in this game were early on for the Mets, actually. Top of the second inning, Yoenis Cespedes and Michael Conforto each hit a solo home run to put the Mets up 2 to nothing. But that would be the only runs they got off Grinke. Unfortunately for L.A., as they didn't get in game one, they did get some run support in this game. Late in the game, they got one in the fourth, an Andre Ethier RBI double. But that took us all the way to the seventh inning, where the Dodgers got four runs. Howie Kendrick, RBI on a fielder's choice. Adrian Gonzalez, the big hit, two RBI double. And Justin Turner with an RBI double right afterwards to score Gonzalez. There's your 5-2 to two score. Grinky was dominant after giving up the two second-inning runs. Seven innings, five hits, two runs, no walks, eight Ks. And for the Mets, Syndergaard pitched six and a third, five hits, three runs, four walks, nine strikeouts. So what you're seeing here, at least what I'm seeing, and you're probably seeing it too, is the guy in these matchups who doesn't walk people once you get in the wins. Kershaw had four walks, lost. Syndergaard had four walks and lost. And then DeGrom only had one, and Grinky had none. Walks are big because when you get guys on base... 
with walks, it's, it's always a recipe for disaster. It always comes back to haunt you. Yeah, you never. It's really hard to win if you walk to people, and they, and those guys walked a lot of guys. So, um, the trend doesn't. The trend makes sense. So, um, what you're saying holds true, and the, the they just need to figure it out. And I think that um, the series is going to end. It's going to be a tight finish. I think this is going to go five games because both teams are kind of even. Um, I like the Mets, obviously, because I'm telling you I like the Mets. But I think this series is going to go five just because the teams are pretty evenly matched. And, and they both have good pitching. So that, exactly. that usually means close series. So I'm, I'm going to kind of stick with what you said, Jess, with the walks thing. And whoever walks the last people are probably <laughs> going to win this series. That's probably a good bet. You can't, you can't expect to win a game walking four guys. That's a lot of walks, especially in the playoffs. you you just, yeah. you got to keep that number down. So It's a lot of walks. We'll see if we'll see if all these aces can keep those numbers in check yeah. the rest of the series. So that's all we got so far. Game three of the series is tonight, Monday. So you'll Matt be, Harvey pitching. You'll know more later in the series. Yeah, the pitching matchup is Matt Harvey against uh, Anderson. Yes, Brett, I think so. Brett Anderson. Yep. Brett Anderson. Yep. It's Brett Anderson. Yep. Matt Harvey. Brett Anderson. And the big news will be if Matt Harvey retaliates. So let's get into that. In uh, game two, Chase Utley on the Dodgers did a nasty take outside on Ruben Tejada, the Mets shortstop, and broke his leg, knocked him out for the series. So the big question is, was it a dirty slide? And it was. he got suspended two games. Does he deserve the suspension? And what should the league do about sliding a second base? These are all the questions that have been raised after this. So we're going to dig into that. Let let me paint the picture for those of you who really didn't see it. Chase Utley was going in to break up the double play, like Jess said. He didn't even start sliding until after he got to second base. And he slid right where Tejada was. It wasn't a slide. It it wasn't a slide to get to the base. It was a slide to break up Tejada. And it was his legs were up. He slid once he got to the bag. It was a dirty play. And... Like you said, you got suspended for two games. He appealed it, so he's going to play game three because the appeal won't be heard before that, which is now like in a couple hours. But he's not starting. But he's not starting. So that's interesting, too. But it doesn't mean that he won't get in. Right. He's Um, eligible to play if they want him to. If they want him to, he's eligible to play. So what I get from this is, yes, it it was a dirty slide. We can all agree with that. If you've seen the video, you have to agree. It's like hard not to. What I don't, what I think was weird, was the timing of it. I don't know if the league kind of handled this the right way. Um, I feel like right now might not been the best time to do this. To suspend him? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So where I stand on it, I don't. I do. I do think it was definitely unnecessary. I don't think it's like the worst play in the world. I, I mean, I've definitely seen. <laughs> I've definitely seen worse things. But it was a little suspect how long he waited. And the problem with it was that Tejada wasn't looking yep. anywhere near him when it happened. So all of a sudden, he just turns around to go through the double play, and suddenly, at least breaking his leg out of nowhere. That's the problem with it because he Tejada had no clue, which obviously means that at least slid way too late. So that's the problem with it. The suspension, though, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Because what people are saying, and I agree with this, is this is hap- things like this, like slides that are somewhat Happen like this, time. yeah, are frequent, and these players don't get suspended all the time. So what now? Because of the playoffs, we're going to change the rule and suspend the guy for the exact same thing. I don't. Think, they basically don't think did change the rule. Yeah, I don't think it's fair. They, I just saw a tweet a couple minutes ago. Buster Olney, the the one and only, um, was saying that before Chase Utley was given this two game suspension, um, this is going to sound very familiar, very NFL esque. Uh, the MLB asked him to take a one-game suspension for Game 3. So they were trying to cut a deal, and he really? said no. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, it's basically the same exact thing <laughs> that happened to Brady. Oh, um, and God. Chase Utley said no, so he cut the two-game two suspension, and obviously he's appealing. Um, and I, I honestly, as much as it looked dirty, I, I applaud Chase Utley. Because like we said, they basically changed the rule to give him a two-game suspension. Essentially, that's, that's what Joe Torre's saying. Because Joe Shore is saying, oh, yeah, it was like this. It was illegal. It was dirty. He could, But like like you said, Jess, a lot of other players all season have the same type of slide. But because it's not magnified under one game this time of year, they don't, they, everyone looks the other way. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with the whole thing, changing the rules for the playoffs. And I, I think that in any sport, like, you know, refs, refs call games closer at the end of games or in playoff games in the NBA because 
because it's a bigger spot. I don't care. I don't think that that's not legitimate because the rules are the rules. And if you're going to change the rules because of the magnitude of the game, that doesn't make any sense. Keep the rules the same because it's still the game. Whether it's a, if you're going to change the rules, you know? do it when the season's over. Yeah, that's it. Just it's not fair, and people expect people to do that. They expect the rules to be changed because it's a big game. Like no, if if it's a big game, it should be played exactly like all the other games, and then exactly. let let the results play out as it is. So I think that's terrible. I think it's stupid. Like yeah, obviously I didn't like the slide, and it's unfortunate for the Mets that Todd is out for the year with a broken leg, but. It happened, and I don't think it warrants suspension. And I think he'll win the suspension because, appeal because it, they have a good case. This doesn't you happen. Think he gets, <laughs> when do you think this gets hurt? Well, I know they were they were trying to get it in today, and then obviously they didn't. So I you assume it would happen really soon, right? Tomorrow? Maybe tomorrow before Game Four. I think, right? You have to. You kind of have to, they, or else this the whole suspension is pointless in the first place. It almost is pointless already because they didn't get it before this game. Yeah, if they got it in before today, then it's like, okay, they appealed it. They probably He's probably going to win, like you said, and then, okay, turn around. He doesn't get suspended. He can play game three. Now it's, well, he's it's under appeal, going to play game three, and then what if he gets suspended for four and five? <laughs> yeah, like, it's, just, it's not fair. It just doesn't make yeah. sense. And in baseball playoffs, the games are played so quickly that if something like this happens, then you run into the situation where, like, well, okay, well, we can't even hear the appeal. It's too soon. Well, well great. Games are happening. So what, what are you going to do now? It's, yeah, it's and not fair. You couldn't squeeze the appeal in today for the league. And then instead of getting three and four like your goal was, what if they need a game five and now he's not available? Because you wouldn't get into the court enough to, to early enough to hear his appeal. Right. And then that just hurts them even more than it already would. So Exactly. Where are you getting with that? Nowhere. Yeah, yeah. it needed to be heard today. I don't know if this is going to get heard before Game 4, and if it really doesn't get heard before Game 4, then, uh-oh, League has a problem on their hands. Well, hopefully it gets heard tomorrow, and hopefully that's Tuesday for everyone listening to this afterwards. Hopefully it gets appealed, and hopefully they overturn it so we can just play so all is well and normal, because that's what it should exactly. be. That's, otherwise, yeah. it just doesn't make sense. But but my question, my question to you, though, is that he's not playing tonight's game, is that the Dodgers doing that because of like kind of like the suspension, or is that completely separate? Um, I think it's completely separate. He's older. I don't. He's not completely durable. Like he might just be getting a night off. Um, it might be kind of. It could be both. I don't want to use that cop out answer. I don't think it has anything to do with it. But to give the cop out answer for some people, it could be both because it could be a well. He's older. He's banged up. He's he's still here for moral support. We can get someone else in for the night if he needs to come in. He can come in, and. Well, he maybe we think it was a dirty slide, and we're going to reprimand him for a game, and maybe that'll yeah. give the cor- give the leeway towards the appeal. Oh, well, we see we suspended him for that game three. Don't give him game four too. We we took it. We took care of it. Type thing. So it could be both ways. I'm leaning towards it's just a day off type thing, but who knows? Yeah, it could definitely. I think it's probably a day off too. It's my best guess. Like you said, he is an older player. He's been in the league for a long time, so a day off would make sense. But yeah, I'm, I was just kind of that's why I asked. I was just wondering is is this the Dodgers' way of saying, like, yes, we agree it was a dirty hit, so we're just going to bench him tonight and hope that he can play game four with no suspension? Could go either way. I really don't know, but I'm leaning toward day off. Yeah, me too. I'm leaning towards day off. I think that's the, I think that's the actual case. So, But we'll, we'll see where that goes. So the Chase Otley situation, obviously, is kind of a shadow and a cloud over this series that's been great so far. Both games have been... Um, entertaining to watch, and it's a good tight series one-one. So we'll see where that goes. But yeah, um, all, the other end, all of... anyone's talking about is is that unfortunately. Exactly. So before, and... before we move on though to the next series, I just want to point out I was announced today that Clayton Kershaw is going to be pitching Game Four on three days rest. Good idea or not? Yes. Um. Yes. Because if if the Dodgers are up to one, they want their guy. And if they're down 2-1, they need their guy to win them the game. So either way, it's a let's get our best guy on the mound to either win it for us or keep us in it. Yeah, I understand the reasoning, but because of his playoff failures, I think it's a terrible idea because he might just be throwing yeah. him out there in short day's rest, and then he might pull up more of a stinger than he already has. I think it's Okay, but they're, they're, you can't bank on him sucking. It's like the David Price situation. You're not no, going to take I... David Price off the mound because he might blow up like he usually does in the playoffs. You have to give this guy a way to a chance to pitch out of it. You, if you take this guy out of big spots, he's never going to get a chance to pitch out of it. I think Clayton Kershaw is good enough to pitch out of this funk that he has in the playoffs. And what better way to do it than put him in a pressure situation, 
either win or go home or win for my team to go to the next round in the league championship series. So I think it's a good idea. Yeah, I agree with the reasoning that he needs to do this or he's never going to get the chance, but he's given us a pretty big sample size of not getting it done. And if say they lose game three and then he loses game four, and the Dodgers are all over again. Uh, again. We're all over him. I get it. Yes, we are. But that's, you have that's to. He's problem. your ace. You're paying him to be your ace. He is your guy. He is the best pitcher in the league. You have to let him fail in those situations if he's right. going to fail. He is. But if he does fail in a situation again, like he has numerous times, and they don't move on again, like they have numerous times, is he a guy that you should just keep pitching because you don't play for the regular season you play to win world series and if they consistently go out early in the playoffs because their best pitcher ever in the world can't win a game in the playoffs is that worth it i'd rather be in the playoffs than not so if you're getting me into the playoffs and then we'll figure out the rest that's okay. the way i look at it i don't know and that's my argument know. for that's my argument later on in the show too when we talk about other stuff um and you'll get what it means later on if you keep listening but i'd rather have the guy who has the most Who's the best pitcher in the league? Hence, who else are you going to throw a game? Like, I would rather throw him than any other per- pitcher on their staff in game four. I guess so. I just. I'm because not... there's a. Because he is the ace and there's a chance he will go lights out. That's just the way it is. Yeah, I mean. You don't give the. You don't shy away from your best pitcher because of his playoff experience. That's like. And I hate to do this, but I always do it. Crossing sports, Bruins and Tuka Rask. He is terrible against the Montreal Canadiens, but you don't sit him every time they play them. You have to let him get out of it eventually. Same thing. Yeah, it makes sense. But if he keeps costing them playoff games and keeps costing them year after year of not winning, just think, think if you're think if you're um, think if you're the manager of the Dodgers, think if you're done what would you do? Would you really not give the ball to Clayton no, Kershaw? You, no, you have to. But I don't know about a short rest though. That's dangerous. That might be it, dangerous. It makes a lot of sense if it's winner go home. If they're up a game, yes. I can see the argument against it. If they're up, yeah. if they're yeah. if they're down one two going into that game four, you have to give him the ball. Yeah, I agree with that. But yeah, if they're up two to one, I don't know about that. And I think short rest is always risky. And it's a lot of there's going to be extra added pressure on him just because he hasn't hasn't done it in the playoffs. Yeah. So very intriguing game there, game four, and we'll know a lot more after game three, Monday night here tonight, of what's what what's going to be at stake for that game. So very intriguing. A lot of storylines in Dodgers-Mets. A lot of storylines in Cubs-Cardinals. Just because, well, the Cubs haven't won a stupid World Series in a long, long time. 107 years. 107 years. Yeah, didn't, didn't want to say it, Jess, but hey, you brought it up. <laughs> it's been a while. Well, in case Cardinals people were wondering if it's like 100 years or like 60. Because 60 is a long time, too. The Cubs... That's another, that's another story. Cubs 97 wins. Cardinals, the only 100-win team during the regular season. That series is tied 1-1. As we sit here, the Cubs are winning one to nothing. Just kidding, it's 1-1 now. And that, that series is, is going to be tight. It, it's, it's the way it is. I think that's going 5-2. Um, we could have yes, all, four, all you, four series to go to five. So Yeah, and I, I think there's a good chance of that because the other two AL series look like they're both going 2-5. Just why don't you get us caught up what happened to the first two games of the Cubs-Cardinals, and we'll kind of break it down from there. Okay. Well, the first game was <laughs> something Red Sox fans definitely found interesting and probably made them cry a little bit that these guys are pitching for other teams and not us. Uh, the pitching matchup in game one was John Lester for the Cubs, John Lackey for the Cardinals. Hmm. Does name sound familiar? Anyone, uh, anyone doesn't realize who those guys are, they were both Red Sox pitchers just a short time ago. And they totally... Totally uh, gave us exactly what we were expecting. They both pitched really well. Um, the Cardinals got a lead in the bottom of the first inning. A Matt Holliday RBI single off of Lester. And then nobody scored in the game at all until the eighth inning, bottom of the eighth. So we had six straight scoreless innings from the second to the seventh. And then at the bottom of the eighth, Lester gave up a home run to Tommy Pham. And then the bullpen came in after Lester gave up one more base runner. And Pedro Strope gave up a home run of his own to Steven Piscotti, also in the eighth inning. And the Cardinals were up four to nothing, and they won four to nothing. John Lackey pitched seven and a third innings of two hit ball, no runs, one walk, five Ks. Lester seven and a third innings as well, five hits, three runs, one walk, nine Ks. Both pitched well, but Lester gave up the long ball, and Lackey didn't. 
So the Cardinals won four nothing. That was, of course, a home game in St. Louis. Are you surprised by the results, or do you think Lester is going to win? Um, not really surprised at all, actually. <laughs> we know Lackey's great too. Exactly. So. Um, that matchup. Just when I was going into that, thinking about that matchup, like just the fact that you had two ex Red Sox staffers head to head in the playoffs for two really good franchises. So. Obviously, the Red Sox kind of screwed that up. The Red Sox got screwed in the lackey deal. Um, I don't know. I'm not really surprised though by the results. Are you? No, I would have picked either of them. Lackey's had a better ear than Lester. Lester struggled a little bit in Chicago. He's had a number it's of really good games. Postseason baseball. But, but yeah, I mean, Lester's he, ice in playoffs. I know. No, I, if I had to pick one, I probably would have picked Lester to win. But St. Louis was home, and that does matter sometimes. And I don't know if it mattered here, but Lester, I mean, Lackey was fantastic. So, and he only pitched 86 pitches. He only took 86 pitches to get through seven and a third. It took Lester 115. So, like, he was definitely the more sharp one. Lester got more strikeouts, so he threw more pitches. But yep. all that matters in the end is the score, and the Cardinals did win 4 nothing. So, advantage of Lackey there. Which brought us into game two, also in St. Louis. And apparently the Cubs didn't want to put themselves in a 2 nothing hole because they came Probably out. a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Probably a good idea. Especially against a 100-win team. You don't really want to get... Granted, they are a 97-win team, but still, the 100-win mark and St. Louis' playoff experience, as I said at the beginning of the show, is important. And the Cubs didn't want to tempt fate there. So they came right out, firing after getting down one nothing in the first. Matt Carpenter at a home run. And then, well, I should say the pitching matchup before I start this. I was Jaime Garcia for the Cardinals against Kyle Hendricks of the Cubs. Not much of a Game 2 pitching matchup, in my opinion. But. No. <laughs> I was like, who? who against who? Not the, not the first one. So yeah. it wasn't game one, that's for sure. It wasn't John against John. It was crap against crap. So, <laughs> <laughs> And it was crap because after one nothing in the first, the Cubs jumped all over Jaime Garcia. They got five runs in the second inning, highlighted by a Jorge Soler two-run homer, which put them up 5-1. to one. At that point, it was 3-1. to one. Uh, And that's all... Jaime Garcia lasted two innings, four hits, five runs, no earned, one walk, two Ks. There was some miscues in that inning that gave the Cubs the run. Um, and funny enough, the error was on Garcia, which is the dumbest rule in baseball, but when a pitcher gets an error, it's still on earned runs, even if it was his fault, which is hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. But that's, yeah. that's, that's the rule. And everything snowballed on Garcia after that, and that's all he lasted, just those two Piddly innings. Uh, <laughs> piddly. <laughs> very piddly. Uh, the Cubs got another run in the third inning on a Miguel Montero ground out. That was the sixth run for the Cubs. That's all they got, and it's all they needed. The Cardinals got two runs in the fifth on a solo home run by Colton Wong and another solo home run by Randall Grichik to put them back within three at 6-3, to three, but that's all they got. Uh, bullpen for Cubs was good. Hendricks only lasted four and two-thirds, four hits, three runs, seven strikeouts. So too many runs uh, for him to make him last even into the fifth inning, which means he couldn't get a win because you have to go five innings to get a win. So Travis Wood came in and pitched two and a third innings of one hit ball. So that was really the bridge to the rest of the bullpen. Wood got the win, and the Cardinals didn't score anymore. So Wood was huge in that game for for Hendricks. And uh, just big second inning, second inning was all the Cubs needed to tie the series up in St. Louis, 6-3 six, six to three win, and that series is tied at one as we speak. As Jared said, they're currently playing Game 3, and St. Louis actually just took a 2-1 to one lead as we speak. Mm-hmm. So, Jake Arianna. Mm. What are you doing there, Jake? Come on, boy. Come on, buddy. Uh, it, hard to pitch against a 100-win team. Not give up a couple rounds. It is, but in Chicago, with the best pitcher in the league on the mound, got to be a little bit of concern there. The Cubs, because they don't want to go down two to two to one, especially after they took home field advantage in game two. So big, big game here, and two to one Cardinals currently. Jake Arrieta had faced 119 batters over four starts in between giving up runs. <laughs> that was his scoreless streak. That isn't that insane? Well, yeah, I mean, I, just, I actually, I mean, I just read that at the beginning of the show. His last four starts, I read every single one of them, and unbelievable, dominant. The other thing about him is that going further back before those four straight scoreless games, uh, he pitched 21 straight games of six-plus innings, six or more innings, and three or less runs. It's incredible. 
Yeah, the, the guy's on fire, and ho hopefully he kind of s steadies the ship here uh, in game three. Michael They're in the bottom of the fourth. Michael Walker pitching for the Cardinals. That's a, that's a good a, pitching matchup. Great it's a good matchup. matchup. This bids fantastic pitching in the playoffs. Yeah, great no, matchups. And we know how Walker, how dominant Walker can be. He pitched against the Sox in 2013, had a dominant postseason. Um, so we we've seen it here in Boston, and he's doing it again today. Only giving up a run on that solo jack. Um, so that that game's going on. The intriguing storyline to me, though, is just the fact that until this game, Chris Bryant didn't have a hit. Oh yeah, I almost forgot about him. Yeah, Chris Bryant didn't have a hit. I know he's young, but he's supposed to be the guy to step up here. Rizzo hasn't had a good series either. Um, he Chris Bryant did get a single early in this game. But the Cubs kind of need him, Chris Bryant, to be himself if they want to win this series. Yeah, he's uh, total in the series now, including tonight. He is 1 for 13 in the series. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> That's a 77 batting average. Yeah. A little concerning. Yes. So that's something the Cubs have to look forward to. Um, hopefully he turns it around, and we'll see where that goes. But that series is going on as we speak. Obviously drama in that one. Um, any other things you want to hit on the Cubs cards just before we move on to the AL? Um, eh, just a prediction. What, what do you? What do you th how do you think it's going to finish up? Oh, we can do prediction. Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, I think Cubs in five. Cubs in five. Okay. Oh, I asked you, and I didn't even think about what my answer would be. Oh, Cubs are back on top. Really? 3-2. What? How did that happen? Home run. Homer. For who? I don't know. I can only hear it. I'm not, it's, not, it's not right in front of me. Oh. I'll tell you when I see it. Okay. Maybe maybe it was 2-2. Two, two. I'm seeing 2-2. Two, we'll see. two. Yeah, it's 2-2, two, two, not 3-2. I thought I heard 3-2. Starling Castro two, two. home run. Castro. All right. Runs, there you go. runs two, two. flying here uh, against good pitchers, right as we speak. So. Cubs in five, man. Cubs in five. I don't know who I because I picked the Cardinals to win the World Series, but I don't want that to happen. And that's tough. This game's going to determine a lot. Yep. I, I guess I'll go with my heart instead of my mind and say Cubs as well. And um, I'm going to say four. Don't even send it back to St. Louis. Like it, Cubs in four. I'd be okay with that. I think they have a better chance Let's... of winning if it doesn't go to five. I think they might lose if it goes to five. So fair. We'll see. Let's, right, let's move on now. Yeah, AL. Let's let's get to the AL. Astros Royals. What a series. That series is going to game five. And but Jess, the Astros had a chance to put this thing away in Houston. Did they ever? <laughs> put this thing away. They had their chance in front of the home fans. They crapped all over themselves in the big stage. This young team. Weren't supposed to be here, so obviously it's all achievement at this point. Anything is a plus. Because they weren't even supposed to be they're supposed to be like one of the bottom three teams in the league. But why don't you just sum up what's going on so far, including, yeah. obviously, the collapse that the Astros had today in Game 4. Yeah, it's been a fun series. Astros, the 111 losses just two years ago. So really, really incredible story that they're even in the playoffs. So they're facing 95-win Royals, 86-win Astros. So you think the Royals would have the advantage. But in Game 1, the Astros, coming off of their 3 nothing wild card win, decided to take one nothing series lead behind Colin McHugh. It was McHugh against Giordano Ventura, and the Astros got up three to nothing in the first two innings. Uh, Colby Rasmus and Evan Gaddis RBI groundouts, and Jose Altuve RBI single in the second. Uh, the Royals got one back in the bottom of the second on a Kenders Morales home run. Then the game went into a 49-minute rain delay, and Ventura came out of the game. McHugh didn't come out of the game, so Ventura was done. After two innings, four hits, three runs in that. So tough tough start for him and a short range-shortened outing for him. Um, Ken said he tried to come back. Kendrys Morales, again, added once more in his next to bat in the fourth. Hit another solo home run and made it 3-2 to two Houston. But that's all the Royals would get off McHugh. And George Springer and Colby Rasmus each hit solo home runs later in the game. And the Astros won five to two. They outhit the Royals eleven to six. McHugh pitched six innings, four hits, two earned runs. He's been very underrated. He had nineteen wins this year, but he was overshadowed by Dallas Keuchel, obviously. But that's a mm -hmm. darn good one-two punch, and they both won their first games for Houston. So, as we know, pitching wins games, and those are two good pitchers. So, good start for Houston, getting up one nothing. 
in Kansas City, mind you. So big star for Houston. Of course. Oh yeah. That's that you know. tough place to play, Kansas City. It gets rowdy. Exactly. It gets crazy in there. Oh, absolutely. They get crazy. Those fans are insane. And the best part about that is don't forget, Houston is a really bad road team. They've had all kinds of trouble on the road this year. So the fact that they beat the Yankees on the road in the wild card and then beat the Royals in the first game in Kansas City, where Kansas City was fifty one and thirty, pretty impressive because Houston's road record was thirty three and forty eight. Really bad. They have to do it again. So yeah, we'll get to what they're gonna need to do here. Uh, but they won game one, took us into game two, which was a excellent and close game. Once again, just like game one, runs quickly in the first couple innings. Uh, Houston took another first inning lead. Colby Rasmus RBI double on the top of the first. And then George Springer got a two RBI single in the second inning. And all of a sudden, just like game one, it was 3 nothing Houston again. This one didn't hold quite so well. Salvador Perez made it 3-1 to one in the second. Colby Rasmus hit a home run in the third to make it 4-1. to one. Before you get any further in this game, Colby Rasmus is absolutely on fire. This, oh, I love This it. guy is just tearing it up. We'll get to the rest of the series, but as of right now, he's hitting either at or a little bit above 500, and he has four home runs in the series <laughs> in four games. He's been torching oh, them. That's crazy. So, good story there with Rasmus. He's 29 years old. He's bounced around a couple teams, but boys, he found a home oh, at least at least yeah. uh, currently here. I was say, he's making an impact someplace that didn't, they, no one expected him to make an impact at. So, um, another another reason why this um, overachieving team is doing what they're doing, for sure. Yeah, Rasmus is just on fire. They already have George Springer, Jose Altuve, and Carlos Correa, and then you got Rasmus doing better than anybody. Pretty impressive. Springer's that heck of a series, though. Um, so that was 4-1, to one, and that would be all Houston got off of uh, Johnny Cueto. Cueto pitched six innings, seven hits, four runs, three walks, five Ks. Not good. Not really, not really good at all. Fortunately, he got run support for them. Scott Kazmir pitched for Houston, and he gave up three runs. The third one was in the uh, sixth inning after Kansas City had gotten within 4-2. to two. Eric Hosmer made a 4-3 with an RBI single. That was it for Kazmir. And Salvador Perez walked with the bases loaded to tie the game at 4 in that inning. Bottom of the seventh inning, the next inning, Ben Zerbus got an RBI single off Will Harris. And that was your ball game. 5-4 Kansas City. No one else scored afterwards. Kansas City's bullpen shut it down. Uh, scoreless and hitless innings for Ryan Madsen and their closer Wade Davis. So they won 5-4 to four and big win to salvage it because if Houston won both games on the road in Kansas City, that would have made it really difficult in Kansas City. So that tied the series at 1, which brought us into Game 3, which was in Houston. Houston looking to take a 2-1. First, first playoff game in Houston for in a while. 10 years, right? I think something like that. Yeah, they haven't been in the playoffs in 10 years, so... Pretty crazy. So, safe to say, fans were jacked up, as they should have been, because Dallas Keuchel was pitching again, his first game in this series after winning the wild card game. And once again, he was dominant. He did give up a home run to Lorenzo Kane in the fourth inning. It was scoreless at that point. That made a one nothing KC. But that would be the only run that Keuchel gave up. And his offense, Jason Castro, his light-hitting catcher, got a two-RBI single in the fifth to make it 2-1 to Houston, and they would never... Give up the lead after that. Carlos Gomez, RBI single in the sixth, three to one Houston. Chris Carter with a home run in the seventh, four to one Houston. Chris Carter was three for three in this game, which is out of this world because the guy hit 185 during the regular season. So him going three for three is like the apocalypse. So yeah, huge for Houston to get production out of him. He's hitting eighth in their lineup, probably because he hits 200. And <laughs> but he does hit some bombs. That's a reason. That's a yes. That's a reason to hit eighth. Yeah, probably should be hitting ninth. But he went three for three out of nowhere. So the guy hitting ninth is Castro, who hit the other two RBI. So go figure. You can't figure this stuff out. <laughs> but that's all they needed. Um, Alex Gordon hit a home run in the ninth off of uh, Luke Gregerson, the closer for Houston. But that's all they get. Dallas Keuchel seven innings, five hits, one run, three walks, seven Ks. Dominant again, just the one run. And Edison Volquez for Kansas City gave up three runs and four walks and five and two-thirds. A little shaky for him. So Houston took a big two-to-one lead in that series in Houston, which brought us to game four, which was today, Monday. And holy crap, if the series wasn't exciting enough with close games and lots of home runs, 
they just added to it today in this crazy game. Let's break it down here. Um, pitching matchup was... I would say a good one, but you didn't know what to expect from Houston. They started Lance McCullers, who's a rookie. He had a really good season, but obviously he's a really young rookie. He's 21 years old, never pitched in the playoffs. Had to face Jordano Ventura for Kansas City, and they both pitched pretty well. Um, Kansas City got off to an early lead. Salvador Perez had a two-run homer off of McCullers in the second inning to make it 2-0 Kansas City in a game they had to win. Uh, but Houston came back, more long balls. They've been long balling it all series long, and they were at it in full force again. Carlos Gomez with the solo home run in the second to make it 2-1. Carlos Correa with a home run in the third to make it 2-2. Carlos Correa added again in the fifth inning with an RBI double, made it 3-2. That was all for Ventura. He gave up three runs in five innings. Decent start, better than his two-inning start in the first game, but still not great. Now you want it from a guy you consider your ace. So it was 3-2 to two at that point. Then in the f- seventh inning, with still a 3-2 lead, Houston went long ball again. Carlos Correa, second time, two-run homer this time to make it 5-2. And guess who? Colby Rasmus, <laughs> another home run. His fourth of the series, 6-2 to two Houston in the bottom of the seventh inning. So they're sitting here. The crowd's going nuts. They got a 6-2 lead off a good Royals team, already up 2-1 to one in the series. And just two more innings. Just got to not give up four runs. That's all they needed. Yeah, it wasn't happening, clearly, huh? But, Kansas City was not ready to, to go home after almost winning the World Series last year. They were facing a pretty good Houston bullpen. Will Harris had a really good year, and Harris just blew up in the top of the eighth inning. Boy, this inning was just nuts. The inning took 45 minutes. I watched every single minute of it. Every single second of the 45-minute <laughs> inning. And let me just detail this for you here. Because, boy, was it crazy. Keep in mind, down 6-2, to two, six outs away from being done. So, Alex Rios hits a single to the off the inning. Alcides Escobar hits a single. First and second, no outs. Ben Zobras with a single. Bases low to nobody out. Down four. It's looking pretty good for them. Lorenzo Kane RBI single. Makes it 6-3. to three. Will Harris out of the game. Tony Sip in. Eric Hosmer, RBI single. Five straight singles. Now it's 6-4. to four. There's still nobody out. Kendris Morales comes up and hits a ball, hits Sip's glove, so just redirects just slightly, goes right to Korea, and he didn't get the glove up. Ball went right over his glove into center field. Huge error. The ball did kind of take a big bounce, but he just totally misjudged it. 6-6 six to six game, tied, still nobody out. And as I'm reading on Buster Olney's, uh, Buster Olney retweeted a tweet uh, about what Korea said of the error. He said, I missed it. I missed. I wish I was perfect, but I'm not. So, huge error for the rookie. He had an incredible year. He had two home runs in the game, but gigantic error that could have been a double play and could have put him in position to go to the next round. But he didn't get it. Kansas City tied the game at six. Still nobody out. So, then uh, Sip struck out Moustakas on about a 10-pitch at bat with second and third. Luke Gregerson came into the game. He walked Drew Butera on another about 10-pitch at bat. Bases loaded. Still only one out. And Alex Gordon hit an RBI ground out, which made it 7-6. to six. It was a diving stop by Altuve. It saved what would have been two runs, but still they scored the go-ahead run, which was huge. Made it 7-6. to six. Finally, after a walk of Rios, Gregerson got Alcides Escobar to strike out with the bases loaded. So could have been even worse, but as it was, it was five runs in the inning. Uh, and, then, and at that point, too, you're like, you go in there, you go, okay, it's seven six. It's still manageable for the Astros. Only down a run. You can, it's a game now, but you can still win this game. Right. It could have been a lot worse. So, but totally demoralizing and huge inning. But then the big blow was in the top of the ninth inning. Eric Hosmer had a two run homer, and it was nine to six Kansas City. Houston couldn't do anything in the bottom half of the inning. Kansas City wins nine to six. They got eight hits in the game. They got more runs than hits. That's how you win a ball game. Backs against the wall, seven seven runs in the last two innings. Huge for Kansas City. They know how to win because this is what they do. They went to the World Series last year. They had 95 wins this year. And they were not ready to go home to a young Houston team. So they tied the series up. Stunner, 2-2 two to two, with a deciding game five coming up on Wednesday. Really exciting. I saw a crazy stat 
I forget the amount of games it was, but they only lost like one game in the deciding game, standing back to last year, and it was like just the world, or like the last couple years, and it was just, um, it was just that World Series Game Seven, right? Something all stupid like that last year, yeah, yeah. So like these team, we all know can play with their backs to the wall, and they did it again, and they still have to do it again. So, um. I like the Royals, Jess, to finish this off. Going home, crazy atmosphere. They love to play there. This team has a spark plug in them. They, they kind of did it this year. I think this game was the Astros' chance. Yeah, I could totally – I see exactly what you're saying. And the matchup appears to favor Kansas City because, as you said, this is Houston's chance because Kansas City is going back home for game five. And the pitching matchup is, is uh, Johnny Cueto for um, – Kansas City and Colin McHugh, who won Game One, going for Houston. That's a great pitching matchup. They're both really good. McHugh's been better this year, so I think, man, I'm really unsure because Kansas City's really good at home, and as we talked about, Houston's been bad on the road despite winning two. But I want to go with Houston because I feel like they're they're like kind of an addition of this of last year's Kansas City. And yep. just this team that came out of nowhere, no one expected them to be good, and they have this huge run. And with McHugh pitching and Cueto struggling, I think I like A.J. Hinch as a manager, too, for Houston. I feel good about Houston. It's going to be tough being on the road, and I think it's going to be a really close game. But I really want Houston to win, and I think that they definitely have a really good chance, and I want to go with them. It's fitting that this year's Royals are playing the Royals, <laughs> and that this, this matchup actually worked out to, the, to have this happen. Um, it's only fitting the Astros want to be that team. They want to be the team that comes from nowhere and has the energy and has surprise finish and push to the playoffs. Got to go through the ones that did it last year. You got to go through the ones that almost won the World Series last year. Um, got to beat that team. The, they, you got to beat that team to be that team. And they have a tough game five ahead of them. Let's move on. Jays and Rangers. That game has gone final. So now it is 2-2 going back to Toronto. Blue Jays. We're down 2-0. Craziness, Jess, right? Yeah, this has been a wild series, too. This, What a fantastic playoffs. These series are great. They're yeah, great. and really we, don't, we, don't just, we don't need to go crazy in detail, Jess, just because I want to get out of here. We're almost out of time. But um, just quick, what's going on with the series? Because the Jays looked like they were down and out. I've been telling you all, I've been telling you all week, don't count those Jays out just yet. And um, I've, clearly I'm right. At least getting a game five is huge for me. I picked the Jays to go to the World Series. What happened? Yeah, I mean the the Rangers got up two nothing in Toronto, which was huge. They uh they won game one by a final of five to three. They got all the big hits, they got the win. And then game two went into fourteen innings and Toronto fell six to four. The big hit was a Hanser Alberto RBI single who was replacing Adrian Beltre who left game one with back spasms. So it was the guys you wouldn't expect. Uh, Alberto and Rugned Odor had an incredible first two games. Huge spark plug. He had five runs in the first two games. So really, the just the small guys uh, for for the Rangers, you know, the team as a whole has playoff experience. But the addition of the team currently doesn't have a whole lot of playoff experience. But the young guys who don't care just decided to perform and put Toronto in a two nothing hole at home. So. They just they shut down Troy Tulowitzki in those first two games and just shut the offense down enough to win the games. Uh, but then in the game three and four, uh, Toronto won five to one in game three. They just shut them down. Texas couldn't get anything going offensively at all, and yeah. uh, Toronto kind of just held them down. Scored a couple of runs as the game went on. Uh, Tulowitzki had a three-run homer, and that was a big thing. He he didn't have a hit in the first two games, and he finally broke out with the home run and the four RBI in the game. So that was huge. Uh, Marco Estrada pitched well for Toronto. And then today, in the game that just went final, as you said, uh, the Blue Jays weren't looking to to uh, wait around in Texas for game four. They got three runs in the first inning and one in the second and three in the third, and they were up seven to nothing after three after two and a half innings. Uh, and they did what they do: long balls. They got, they got home runs. They got um, home run for Josh Donaldson and Chris Colabello in the first, and then Kevin Pillar had a home run in the second inning. So, big time home runs, and they held off the late surge for 
Texas getting three runs in the last couple innings. So they won eight to four. So the road team has won all four games in that series, and they head back. <laughs> they head back to Toronto for Game Five. So if that holds serve, Texas will win the series because the road team's won every game. But Toronto's got the offense, and it's going to be an exciting Game Five. I think Toronto's figuring it out, and I think that everyone always says this team's built around their offense, and but it's also tough to rely on offense to win. You know, bats go stagnant, that kind of stuff. But I think. This team is deep enough offensively and have that many good bats that they can hold out and win a series because one or two players can go cold and the other three or four can step it up and be productive for this team. And that's why this team is so good and won the division because their offense didn't go stagnant ever really because they had other guys to step up even when some some of their big names were having a cold spat. Yeah, I mean, it's all it's all the offense with, with that team and they didn't have it in the first two games. They did have it in the next two, and that's that's just what it is. So if the offense will do well in Game 5, that's going to be the determining factor. And just like uh, in the Houston-Kansas City series, I'm going with the underdog, and I am I think Texas is going to pull out Game 5. I think we're going to have a Texas-Houston ALCS. I like the uh, the Jays. Yeah, of course, you're going, of course you're going with the 95 and 93 win teams. Got to <laughs> stick with my uh, got to stick with my Jays. I like Jays. Um, Jays Royals going on, going in the ALCS and uh, Blue Jays, man. One thing I want to talk about coming out of the series is David Price before we get out of here. And he's probably going to get the ball in game five. I'd be surprised if he doesn't, despite coming in for relief in game four and pitching pretty well. Um, we all know his history. He's 0-6, right, in playoff appearances? Yep. As a, as a starter, and yep. He's, as a starter, he's 0-6 in playoff appearances. And those are all losses. Just don't forget that. None of those games were no decisions. He has six appearances with six losses. Yeah, that's bad. It looks bad. It sounds bad because it is bad. And it's Clayton Kershaw-esque. <laughs> um, I don't think any of those starts were really as, as abysmal as some of the Clayton Kershaw starts we've gotten. But that being said, he still lost six out of six playoff appearances as a starter. That being said, Jess, I still want him next year as a Red Sox. I can see why you would, but I, I, I mean, I disagree with you on this. That that you take the playoff appearance over not making the playoffs because of a good pitcher. I, if you get a guy who doesn't perform in the playoffs, then the season kind of is rendered useless at a certain point. If you don't make, if you don't go far in the playoffs, we're used to winning World Series. You know, we Red Sox have gone to the World Series three times in the last ten years, and they've won all three. So you don't want to you don't want to lose in the playoffs, and it's disappointing when you do. If you got a guy who doesn't perform, I don't know if I want that to be your ace. Find me a guy who can pitch in the playoffs. 18 wins this year with a 2.45 ERA. That is ace status up the wall. And I, like like you were mentioning, my argument is I'd rather get in the playoffs and give this guy a chance to pitch than to not get in the playoffs at all. You have a chance to get an 18-win pitcher, you do it. Because this is what the Red Sox need to get to get better and to kind of even out that pitching rotation. The Red Sox need a guy like this. And my argument for Kershaw stands for here. You can't give... The, you, this guy's never going to get a chance to break out. Obviously, we have the sample size. But he needs to keep pitching in the playoffs. He's too good of a pitcher to stick with this schneid. I think that the one thing that does concern me was the comment he made earlier in the week about... He felt like a duck in water where the top of him looks calm. He looks cool and collected. And underneath the water, his feet are moving a mile a minute because he's going insanely crazy about being nervous. <laughs> that comment scares me, Jess. I'm not going to lie. That, hearing that scares me. But that being said, you still take him. You have to take him. You have, 18 wins. You have this guy on the market this summer. Isn't You have Johnny Cueto, who I would obviously – I don't know if I would take. I don't want Jordan Zimmerman because he hasn't proven anything to me in the playoffs when he's gotten there. This guy is pitched in the AL East. He's proven he can do it. He's doing it again now in the AL East. I want him back. I want him on this team. Wait, but you just contradicted yourself with Jordan Zimmerman saying that he hasn't proven the playoffs. You said you don't care about the playoffs. You want a guy who can pitch in the regular season, whether you can pitch in the but playoffs he, or not. he hasn't gotten there, though. He hasn't gotten there. Well, he's got a better chance of being good than a guy who's not good, period. But David Price is a better pitcher. Yeah, he may be, but give me playoffs. He hasn't pitched in the playoffs. And by the way, Price gave up three runs today in three innings, which is not really that good, so... I don't know. I don't agree. I just I'd rather have a guy who can pitch in both. So go find me someone who's available who can pitch in the playoffs as well as regular season. The ideal situation would potentially be getting Sonny Gray from Oakland or Chris Sale, but I don't think either of those are going to happen. 
the ideal situation would be David Price and Sonny Gray. But again, don't think it's going to happen. Just give me John Lester. We know he can pitch in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, see, that, this whole argument would, wouldn't be happening uh, if they job in the first place. But yep. I think that overall, this is probably your best route. I don't think there's another route unless you can find some guy like a Chris Sale or a Sonny Gray to get who's locked up and who's young and has clearly has ice in his veins. Obviously, we haven't seen Sonny Gray pitch in the postseason. But, hey, I'd rather David Price than most people in the league anyway. So... That being said, give me David Price. I would take him, but it concerns me. And if you can get somebody else, I might go elsewhere. And that elsewhere might be Johnny Cueto, but going on the same train, he came to the Royals to be a big game pitcher, and he really hasn't done well at all in the playoffs or at the end of regular season. So I don't know if I want him either. Just a little side note. You know how we talked about Chris Bryant not doing anything? Yeah. Just hit a two-run homer. Of course he did. Yep, my boy. (laughs) Love him. Love him. Right on cue, man. Right on cue as we're talking about him. Force um, sh- Chicago. Yep. But there you go. There's uh, plenty to talk about. We can, we're going to argue about David Price all winter, so we don't need to go too deep into it right now. Um, but, of course, this show is brought to you by Casper, like always. But it's also brought to you by DraftKings. Your season-long fantasy football team may be going strong, but you don't have to wait until week 16 to get paid. Put your fantasy skills to the test every week this season at DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. With one-week fantasy, there are no season-long commitments. Get an injured player, no problem. It's like a new season every week, so you're never stuck with the same players. And get this, DraftKings is crowning a new millionaire every week this season. That means you could turn your love of football into a payday of lifetime. Just pick your players, pile up the points, and pick up your cash. It's that easy. Believe me, you've never experienced football like this. This isn't fantasy as usual, everyone. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Hurry to DraftKings.com now. Use the promo code New England and play for free with your first deposit in this Sunday's $1 million fantasy football contest, where first place takes home hundred grand. Enter New England for free now, only at DraftKings.com. Again, that's DraftKings.com. Great show we had. A lot of playoff baseball to talk about. We're going to have more to talk about as the series wraps up and gets to the championship and, of course, the World Series. We're here with you all offseason. Don't forget Twitter, Red Sox underscore beat, uh, Facebook, Tumblr. Now we're on Google+. Plus. Uh, iTunes is the biggest thing, of course, as always. Subscriptions, rates, reviews, all that good stuff from us. Um, but we'll be back next week, most likely with Lauren joining us as well, unless something else happens. But it's a good chance. It'll be the three of us next week talking playoff baseball. Just it's going to be a great week. Yeah, we're going to complete these series, give the update on what happened at the end of these series that are all huge, great great series that we had to talk about in this this show because there's some great playoff baseball. There's been years where the NL, I mean, the, the division series have just been garbage, like 3 nothing and sweeps and jokes of teams. Not the case this year. A lot of good matchups, so that will just make for better series later on in the championship series, and we'll be here to cover it all. There you have it. Straight from Jess's mouth. We'll be here for you all the time. Until next week, that is Jess Thomas. I am Garrett Scally. Enjoy the playoff baseball. Enjoy the great matchups. We know you will, because we will too. Just be a good baseball fan for the week, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>